Welcome to the Erickson Covenant Podcast. We are so glad that you've joined us today. We confess that we don't have all the answers, but as a community, we seek to find and follow Jesus and to discover daily the life he has always wanted for us. We hope this message will be encouraging and will inspire you to take the next steps on your spiritual journey. If we can help you in any way, please connect with us. The easiest way is through our website at ericksoncovenant.ca. Let's get started. We're deep into our summer series on the work and the person of the Holy Spirit. And uh, the Holy Spirit, the giver of life, the third person of the triune Godhead is often not as maybe understood or as enjoyed as the Father and the Son. Uh, Partly because the Holy Spirit is constantly deflecting attention away from himself to the Father and to the Son. He likes it to do that. But also it's partially because we have often had, or people have had a misunderstanding about the Spirit and they've found it too mysterious. Maybe it didn't help that some of them grew up calling him the Holy Ghost, which does sound weird. Um, But... The Holy Spirit was perhaps mysterious or uh, some have even been afraid of the Holy Spirit. Like he'd sort of like possess you or something and do weird things. And who wants that? So there was some hesitancy around the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is so significant, so central in understanding who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit does to help us live this life with God, to live it more attentively, to live it more joyfully, to live it more fully. This is very, very important. I hope you've been getting a lot out of the teaching so far this summer. Um, I've been enjoying going through it. If you missed any of it and you would like to catch up, we have tried to make it as available as possible. Uh, You can listen to the messages on YouTube under the Erickson Covenant Church channel on Apple Podcasts and even just at our website, ericksoncovenant.ca, where they have the option of just the audio for the message or actually watching the entire uh, live stream service that's been recorded there. Uh, so that's just something you can do if you want to catch up, especially as we're hitting this over the summer. Today, we're going to look at the relationship between the gifts the Holy Spirit gives to his people and the fruit the Holy Spirit grows in his people. You hear that distinction? What's the relationship between the gifts the Holy Spirit gives to his people and the fruit the Holy Spirit grows in his people? Now, I know that many of you are very familiar with these terms of gifts and fruit, but not all of us are. And some of us are newer to faith. Some of us are checking out church. Uh, some of us aren't yet followers of Jesus and we're exploring things. And, um, and then there's those who are joining us online. And frankly, I don't even know who some of you are and I wish I did. So you should really say hi in the chat so that we can, you know, say hi back because our dear online chat hosts feel sometimes they're not sure who's in the room and you can say hi. Uh, So that'd be great. Um, But I know that we come from a spectrum of experience, faith, Bible knowledge. And so just to get us all on the same page, let me provide a little bit of uh, context for gifts and fruit. So the Holy Spirit, uh, who is fully God and has come to live in people, which was God's plan all along, is a generous giver of gifts. The Holy Spirit is extravagant, wild, uh, very beneficent and and creative. Look around you. Look around you at the larger world. Look around at the people around you. The Holy Spirit, he loves diversity and loves to give various gifts. And the Holy Spirit longs to see all people, men, women, children, 
grow up into their mature, fully human selves as divine images of God. He loves to see people developing so that they look and act and feel and enjoy life as these reflective creations of God that they really are. Especially when they're most given fully to God and they're most fully themselves. That's what the Holy Spirit loves. And to see all that happen in our lives and the lives of people around us, the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit does is he, he equips his people with the tools they need to help each other grow, to help each other become all that God has created them to be. And these uh, tools and gifts uh, are primarily mentioned in two big chunks of Scripture, one really big here in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14, and then also over in Romans 12. Those are both written by the great apostle Paul. And in these, uh, there's a much larger thing going on in these, uh, these churches that he's writing to, but he, he rattles off a bunch of lists, gifts lists. And he offers these lists not as a definitive, exhaustive, here's all, you know, I've given you all of them and that's, there's no more, no less kind of thing. It's not like that. It's more of a sampling uh, because, uh, well, in 1 Corinthians 12, we hear the sampling, but there, it's actually a bit different than Romans 12. So in, in 1 Corinthians 12, we heard some of it, depending on your translation, it might use different words, but the basic thing is how there's these gifts that the Spirit gives to the church, again, to help each other grow Maybe being able to speak a message of wisdom or a message of special knowledge or a gift of faith that's given to this person or a gift of healing or miraculous powers, prophecy, ability to discern between different spirits or even speak in different kinds of languages or interpret that. Even gifts of helping or the gift of being able to give guidance. And there's more that he mentions there. In Romans 12, uh, we see some overlap but a different sampling is given. Paul talks about prophesying, yes, but he also talks about serving and teaching and encouraging as a gift, as a spiritual gift that in Romans 12, he's saying we need to, to develop and work on. Uh, he talks about the gift of encouragement, the gift of giving, of leading, of even showing mercy. And the Spirit gives all of these gifts and more, gives them to his church for one specific reason. For the common good is how the New International Translation puts it. For the common good, so that everyone can benefit a lot of other, or profit, a lot of other translations say that. I do like how the New Living Translation puts it. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Wow, that puts it right on the ground. Spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. And how do we do that? Well, we discover and we develop and we use these spirit gifts to help each other grow and mature in Christ. And that growth or that maturity, whether we're looking at character transformation, um, maybe a, a heart renovation, maybe a, a change in, in patterns of life or pursuits or all of that, that life fully realized, making people look and love and live more and more like Jesus with the same kind of attitudes and maybe relational aptitudes that are displayed in, in Jesus. This is something that, that is used all over the New Testament to characterize this kind of maturity, this kind of growth, this kind of change. And different al analogies are used, particularly throughout the New Testament, to describe this spiritual growth. But probably the most vivid and well-known analogy is fruit, which we sang about. Fruits of the Spirit. That song, of course, that we sang this morning with the kids is a direct quote from Galatians 5.22. The fruit of the Spirit is 
You know, should we sing it? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I cannot get that out of my head. This is the fruit the Spirit grows in the life of his people. It's a way of capturing how both our personal lives, but perhaps even more significantly, our lives as a community are characterized by this kind of life, this kind of flourishing, looking an awful lot like Jesus. It's talking about how we are growing in our love for each other. The Spirit is bringing that about. We're, we're growing in the joy that we experience in life, even when times are difficult. This fruit is capturing the fact that we're exhibiting more gentleness, the gentleness of Jesus in our interactions with others, especially if we've been people that are, tend to be a little more harsh or sarcastic, that as the Holy Spirit works, he begins to gentle us more so that our speech is more uplifting, especially with those perhaps who are aggravating or exhausting. And we find within ourselves more and more of a capacity for goodness and less and less of a capacity for attitudes of judgment or words of hurt. And because the Holy Spirit is growing the life within us, we're able to stick to things longer. We, we have the ability to not give up as soon as the Holy Spirit grows that fruit of faithfulness within us and in our community. And I could keep going on, but that's the point to see how relevant this fruit is in who God wants us to be. And it's why he sent the Spirit to make us new in the first place. So the Holy Spirit gives gifts to his people, gifts to his church for the common good so we can help each other. And that help we need, well, that's growing this fruit, the Spirit through each other and through the gifts he's given to us He's growing this fruit in us so that we look and think and act and respond more and more like Jesus, like human images of God, gifts and fruit. And each of these, of course, are a topic in and of themselves. We could spend a whole month unpacking perhaps each of these fruits or looking at the life of Christ and seeing how they match and how the Spirit grows in us. We, We could talk about how that works depending on maybe our particular needs, because usually when we read through a list like that, we think, well, there's the one. <laughs> there's the one the Holy Spirit needs to work on. Uh, or at least the people around you know that. Uh, they think, yep, that's the one my wife needs. Or my husband needs, or my friend needs. So the fruit of the Spirit is something that is being grown in us, and it's a lifelong work of the Spirit. But we can see when they're growing. I think it's important. We can, we, can, we can look at them and we can recognize, perhaps if we look back a number of years in our own lives or perhaps those around us, we can see there's a trajectory, there's a change, there's, there's a difference. The Holy Spirit is bringing his fruit, uh, growing his fruit. And the fruits of the Spirit, frankly, aren't very controversial. I mean, we want to grow in those things. We want the people around us to grow in those things. Even if we might be frustrated by how slow of a growth it really can be in our own lives or in the lives of those around us, you know, we can be frustrated by the slowness, but it's not controversial. We support that. We get it. The spiritual gifts, on the other hand, well, let's be honest, they're a little bit more, I don't know, 
debated, controversial, confusing, difficult to figure out, even harder to implement. Some of the stuff you read the list, you think, what is that anyway? I mean, some of them I know, but the others I'm like, hmm. And depending on your experience, maybe gifts, the whole idea of spiritual gifts, uh, maybe they've been used and abused. Or maybe they've been sort of repressed and ignored and you never really heard anything about it. Depending on your experience, depending on your background, depending on your temperament, probably, your upbringing, certainly your theology, we can all sort of come at this whole idea of spiritual gifts quite differently and we can feel intimidated by them or confused by them or even daunted, even daunted by the very idea that God has given us gifts we're to use because some of us think, well, I don't know what they are. How am I supposed to, what am I supposed to do here? Especially if you're talking about some of the more spectacular or maybe mysterious gifts like prophecy or tongues or interpretation tongues, word of knowledge, whatever. And that's why, let's be honest, in the history of the church, sometimes there's certain gifts, especially those maybe more spectacular ones, so-called, that have been either outright denied or the opposite, elevated too highly. And they've certainly been debated and often misunderstood. Now, the regular gifts like teaching or helps, we like those. We're like, oh yeah, that's great. No problem there. But the truth is, even though they might be less controversial, they're often just as misunderstood or maybe even forgotten. But however you slice or dice things, whatever your background is, and I really respect, we're all from different backgrounds. Some of us from an unchurched background, and we're, we're like here in this thing and going, what? And then others from uh, perhaps what is more a charismatic background or more conservative background, whatever. I understand, we all come from different stuff. But we do need to hear clearly how the Apostle Paul puts it through all of his letters, all the times he talks about gifts, as well as the fruit. It's always the Paul, Paul who's talking about it. But he thought all of these gifts were central somehow to the way that the Holy Spirit was actually growing the church into the image of Christ. These gifts were important. He didn't think they were just dispensable or optional or, you know, you can leave some of them, like who cares? But somehow essential. That's how he treated them. That's how he talked about them. And if that's true, then... Even if we aren't sure what that means, it's on us to lean in, take responsibility for learning and listening and, and trying to figure out, even experimenting, having grace for each other as we figure out what it means to be people with gifts that are meant to be used to encourage one another. Because we actually need, not just us at the Erickson Covenant Church, but the, the larger church, we need all of us using the particular gifts the Spirit has given to us for the growth that he's wanting in us. We actually need it happening. We're less without it. And so we're not going to dive into all the particulars of gifts and fruits today, um, but what I want to provide is kind of like a biblical rationale for the gifts and the fruit that will, I think, help us maybe move forward as we decide, yeah, we need to pursue this, understand this more, ask Jesus for help in this under the guidance and power of the Holy Spirit. Here's the truth I really want, to, want you to catch today. You might want to write this down, but this is how I want you to understand the overarching, and that is this. The Spirit gifts are given to us so that Spirit fruit grows in us. You hear that? The Spirit's fruit, Spirit fruit is given to us so that Spirit fruit grows in us. But... We won't grow the Spirit's fruit in us without using the Spirit's gifts to us. You get it? I'm going to say that again. The Spirit gifts are given to us 
so that spirit fruit grows in us. But we won't grow the spirit's fruit in us without using the spirit's gifts to us. And that really is a lot of what Paul, it's not the only thing he's arguing in the chapters in 1 Corinthians, but it's a lot of what he's arguing there. Let's get this straight, though. The goal of the Christian life is not the gifts. In fact, gifts have a limited term usefulness. We heard that, actually, right in the middle of the famous love chapter. The reason why I had Eileen in particular read 12 and 13 and a bit of 14 was because we all have heard the love chapter, right? Weddings use it. People use it. It's all such a beautiful depiction of love. It really is wonderful. We often fail to see how it's actually right in the center of Paul's whole deal about gifts. And he's trying to say, love is what's central. And without that, these gifts are nothing, right? And that there'll come a time when the gifts are, most of these gifts are no longer needed, but love will remain. And so we need to see that these gifts are essential, but they're short term. The goal isn't the gifts. The gifts serve the goal. Get it? Okay. But we won't get the fruit without the gifts. They're indispensable to that. And so it's be kind of like uh, being asked to build a house and then just being told to do it by hand, like literally by hand, no tools allowed. You think, uh-huh. Well, you're going to have fun living in that house. Best I could do is break some boughs off some spruce and drape it over a fallen log, right? So when we think of the house that God is building, in fact, at the end of Ephesians 2, we hear the language of that the Holy Spirit is, 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 is growing this temple, is, is building this house in which he will live, we realize that we haven't been asked to build the house and participate with the Spirit in building the house without tools, adequate tools for the job. And that's these gifts. So with that as our kind of overarching premise, I just want to share some basics about the spiritual gifts, how they connect the fruit, how they work. Um, and the reason why I want to do this is because I'm hoping that we'll be inspired to pursue that further. As we've looked at various aspects of the Holy Spirit this summer, we're able to just sort of touch on a few things. But the, the responsibility is on you to take that and run with it, to take that and dig deeper, to respond in obedience to what you're hearing and decide to seek more of where the Holy Spirit is leading. So let me uh, rattle off a few basics about the spiritual gifts and how they connect to fruit. And then if there's time, I'd be very happy to take some comments or some questions uh, toward the end. So here it is. First one is this. Every Christian, every follower of Jesus is gifted by the Spirit because every Christian is filled with the Spirit. This is pretty basic. But we need to remind ourselves of this. When the Spirit moves in, He packs stuff with Him. (laughs) He brings gifts. He moves in and He gives gifts to you. And we've all got gifts. Whether you know it or not, whether you've used them or not, you've got them. You might not have developed those gifts. You might have hidden them away. But friend, if the Spirit of God is living in you, He gave you gifts. Every one of us, period. You've got them. Now, as we heard, read, the Spirit doesn't give the same gifts to everybody. 
He seems to divvy them up in ways sometimes that don't make sense to us. We know, though, that he gives gifts to everyone. We know the purpose for which he's given them. Every Christian is gifted by the Spirit to help others grow. That's point number one. Next point is that the Spirit gifts are given to each believer, but these gifts require development. They require development in service while being used. It's like an apprentice on the job site. It's not good enough to pack the hammer around, you know. You've got to actually swing it. And yeah, you're going to miss a whole bunch of times. But you've got to use the tool. You've got to learn how it works, how it best is employed, how it serves, how, what it does. Uh, you know, be uh, so familiar with it. It requires patience and practice and coaching and experience and obedience and faith in order to actually grow into something really useful. I think when I was younger, I had the idea, especially for the, let's be honest, the more spectacular gifts, I had this idea that you just got it. Boom! Fully developed, ready to go. You were like in the Matrix where they just like got to fly a helicopter and they just download it. And now they can fly a helicopter, you know? Matrix is an old movie now, I realize, but you know, you guys have seen it. Some of you have seen it. Okay, so... But I had this idea that the spiritual gifts were just given, plop, and you got it, and you know how to use it, and, you know, but that's just not true. Uh, The truth is most of the gifts are given in almost like a seed form. Sometimes it aligns with natural talents. Sometimes it doesn't. But they're given in need of development, of practice, of learning. You might have to find a coach. You might need to read books. You need to get into service and use it and start experimenting, just swinging the bat, you know, and learning how this works. Why would that be? Well, the Holy Spirit, as we've been seeing through this series, he wants nothing more than our participation in what he's doing. He's not just doing stuff to us. He's inviting us into a life with him where we learn and we grow and we develop. And part of that is learning to use our gifts because we actually, here's the interesting thing, the spirit actually grows us, the fruit part, as we're learning to use gifts to help others grow as well. And the spirit wants us to participate. We're responsible to take up those gifts and start saying, okay, Lord, if you've given me the gift of teaching, that doesn't just mean I stand up and I'm a brilliant teacher. It doesn't work that way. It probably means you have to spend years learning how to be a great teacher. It doesn't mean because you've been given the gift of giving, you're generous now. Do you know that? It doesn't mean that. It may mean that the gift of giving is showing up because you can just make a lot of money. You're one of those people that can just turn it over and money is made. Probably a sign you have the gift of giving, even if you're stingy. No, it's true. I'll get to that in a moment. But the truth is, the gift is there. It needs to be developed. It needs to be used. It needs to be coached. The Holy Spirit wants to grow in you his fruit as you learn to use his gift. In fact, the truth is, you won't actually develop gifts if you're not willing to use them in the service of his people and of his mission. Number three. Gifts are never the sign of spiritual maturity, ever. 
We get duped by that one all the time, don't we? You see someone that's really gifted, especially if they have a natural aptitude for something that aligns with the spiritual gift. And you think, wow, could she ever sing? Or, wow, that, when that person explains scripture, I just, it just comes alive for me. Or you see someone really working with their gifts in a way that really are helping others, and people begin to think that's a sign of spiritual maturity. It's not. Gifts are given by God and his grace. And they're given when the Holy Spirit moves in. They're not a sign that someone is especially holy or mature or sound. They're not a sign of of, of good theology. They're not a sign the person knows their Bible. They're not a sign that they're not, you know, hiding some sin in their life. This is not a sign of that. But we've often been duped. In fact, the church of Corinth that Paul was talking to, they're like case study number one, that just because this church was flourishing in gifts, it was profoundly immature and fractured on the spiritual fruit side. And so what we have to recognize is gifts are never a sign of maturity. They're a means of it. They're the way that God wants to use us to help each other grow. So we should never be fooled. I remember when I was quite young, I was finishing an internship after a summer with a, a guy who was leading a big ministry, and, and he sat me down and talked to me about some stuff and encouraged me. But one of the things he told me at 20, he said, Tom, you've got gifts. Great thrilled for you. Here's the problem, he said. People will only ever see your gifts and they'll never challenge your character. And he just said, make sure you get people in your life who are not wowed by your gifts, but will challenge you to grow. Those were very, very important words for me as a young man. Because I could get up and play guitar and talk about the Bible and lead stuff and people assume spiritual maturity because of that. It's not true. It's one of the things that's been coming out lately, sadly, actually devastatingly, as some of these quote-unquote celebrity pastors or ministers, um, I mean, it's one thing. They crash or they have a, they, they, they screw up and, and we get that. But what you find in a lot of the stories is people just were so wowed by the gifts that they never, ever challenged the character. Who cares? Gifts are great, but if, 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 if the core is rotten, you know what I mean? If the person is anger-filled or demeaning or like all the fruits of the spirits are, you know, the fruit flies are getting heavy on it, as it were, who cares if they're gifted in that sense? So it's just a reminder, the gifts are never a sign of maturity, but they are a means of it if we will lean into character. Uh, Another point here would be, um, I've already said this, but I I want you to hear it again, that the church, God's people, will will never actually be all that the Holy Spirit wants us to be without every Christian using the gifts that God has given them for the good of of others. We'll never be who God has created us to be. I will never be, and you will never be, all that God has desired for you if your brothers and sisters don't actually do their job. Now, we have such an individualistic perspective of our Christian life, we forget that there's an aspect in which we as a community and, and, and individually will never be able to fully grow if we don't have people using their gifts in our lives, speaking into our lives, teaching us, 
holding us accountable, showing us love, serving alongside and serving us. We'll never be all that God wants as a church, as his people. Which means now, when we talk to a personal challenge here, is that if you and I aren't using the gifts that God has given us to help others grow, we're actually not being obedient. We're actually flagrantly disobeying what God has told us to do. And I don't normally lay things on heavy, but I was really struck by this. Because a lot of us, we've just denied our gifts. Or we might say we have it, but we don't do anything with it. It's like rusting in the shed. And what we recognize is that as we come to understand what these gifts are for, and we start realizing that this is the means by which the Holy Spirit has decided to grow his church, if we aren't willing to take responsibility for the gifts he's given us, we are disobedient. We actually need to repent and confess it as sin and then get to work. Humble ourselves and use the gifts that God has given us. And wow, will we discover amazing things if we will do that. If we will follow the way of the Spirit and let him actually use us and the gifts he's given us to help others, not only will we grow, but others will be profoundly changed. And that's a beautiful thing to know that God can use us. Well, uh, I have a few more things, but maybe it'll come up in question time. Um, I'll say one more thing. Uh, uh, I've already alluded to it a bit, but gifts are, 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 are not only the goal of the, you know, the goal of the gifts are fruit, but they're also, um, the fruit is also the means by which we use the gifts. In other words, as we're developing and using our spiritual gifts in whatever capacity, love guides our hand. We, we are literally the mode of operation, the use of the gifts, is, is, is it's aligned with the fruit. Um, and I say that because there's been times perhaps in the past where we've, and, and 1 Corinthians is a great example of that, where the gifts could be used in a way that's counter to love, uh, where it serves an elitism, or people are looking down, or, or, they, or, or they, I've got a word for you, brother, and then just bam, you know, it's like a kickboxing round or something. And, and it's like, what is going on here? The gifts need to be used in accordance with the fruit. They're not only, not only is the goal of the gifts the fruit, but they're actually it's the, the means by which we use the gifts as well. That's why, uh, that's why the measure of maturity is never gifts. It's always fruit. All right, you got any questions? I know I, um, th- th- those are kind of like all over the place maybe, but um, any, any questions or comments you'd like to make? I, I will repeat it so that those who are online or on audio can hear it. But do you have any questions or comments about gifts or about fruit today? Anything that struck you? How do you identify your gifts? Do, do, uh, does anyone kind of have a similar question like that? How do you identify gifts? So in the past, a lot of times, and maybe some of you have, you could like take a spiritual gifts test or uh, there's things online, there's different studies, and those can be helpful. I, I'm actually not, I'm not like negative about this, but I actually think the way to discover gifts is serving in community. So we could spend more time on this, but I want you to hear this. The best way to discover gifts is say, Lord, we'll get to some of the practical. You know, I want this particular gift, or I think I might have this, or here's a passion of mine. 
you know, but ask Jesus where you can serve. Get into community and serve together and then start actually like talking about it, exploring that. We've urged you now for quite a while to find someone to walk with in spiritual friendship regularly. We talk about your walk with Christ. And that is a beautiful way of helping each other identify the gifts. But that's really best identified when you're serving together. When you watch someone interacting, when you see what brings them alive or the way in which they are uh, helping someone or hurting someone, the way in which they're, 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 they're thinking, and you, you can begin to help them as they can begin to help you. And so um, it could be that it, it's something identifiable from the lists, as it were, that we see in Scripture, and those are good lists. But it could be that there's something unique about the way the Holy Spirit has gifted you in a particular way to help others grow. And we can discover that in community as we serve together. If we'll, if we'll get serious about it, be attentive in that. So I think that's the best way. I know that's not like a, I'm going to run home and take a five-minute test online and now I'll know what my spiritual gifts are. Even if you did, what would you do then? You got to go find a place to serve and use them, but it can be applied anywhere. The thing about the gifts is nobody gets the gift of children's ministry. Even those gifted in music, it's different. What often the Holy Spirit is he gives you the gift of helps, let's say, and you apply it in an area of passion or an area where there's need. It's when you serve together in community that you begin to develop or notice, discover, learn about gifts, and help each other do so. I think that's where it best happens. Any other questions or comments? Right. Do I think the gifts of miracle healing, some more of those were spectacular, are they still active in today's church? Yes, I do. Um, and so, obviously, there are people who don't. And I don't, I love my brothers and sisters who are what they call cessationists, as in these spectacular things have ended. I just, I just don't see that, how you divide that up scripturally. That's my thing. I see the day will come when it will cease. First uh, Corinthians 13 talks about that. But that day isn't yet. So I see that as necessary. Now, the question is always, how do you do it? How do you implement it? And um, you'll notice we haven't had anyone speak in tongues this morning. Nor have we had anyone try to interpret it. I'm not being sarcastic. I'm, I'm pointing out that where you use it and how you use some of those gifts I think we've got a lot of work to do figuring that out. A lot of these gifts are best used in small, in small settings where we're able to have real conversation and prayer and using gifts to help each other. And sometimes the larger settings, it gets more and more difficult because how would all of you use your gifts this morning? Most of you just sat here. And that's okay, right? We have the gift of sitting. But I, I, I say that because like... Um, let's just name it. How we all use our gifts requires you to get in closer with people in small groups, in serving communities, in spiritual friendships, so that we can actually use our gifts with each other. And what we'll find as we do that is it's much more natural. So this has a place, this larger setting has a place for, for shared worship and teaching 
But where we're able to really use these gifts is going to be in smaller groups, smaller communities. And I think the Holy Spirit wants to unleash all the gifts. Somehow, um, there's something beautiful the Holy Spirit wants to do in us and for us through these gifts. And it's going to take some development, right, in our lives to know how to use them. But the other thing I think people need to hear is not to be afraid. I mean, um, sometimes people have this idea that, like the Holy Spirit's going to possess you and you're not going to have any control. It's not true. Um, you're fully in control. And Paul, Paul even talks about that in 1 Corinthians 14, right? Mind, mind you, it's because he was challenging a group of people that were claiming that, oh, the Holy Spirit came on me, I couldn't resist. It's like, no, no, that's garbage. You can resist the Holy Spirit all day long. Look around you. People are doing it all the time. But Holy, Holy Spirit working our lives, it's participation. We and, and, and it's never, it never leads to a lack of control. It's not like, you know, possession in that sense. It's participation. So we can use our gifts, but we're fully in control. You know, that's why Paul said, the spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets in 1 Corinthians 14, because he's saying, eh, don't, don't, don't bandy about this excuse that you lost control. No, no, that's not how the Holy Spirit works. We're in control uh, in participation with the spirit. As we yield ourselves to the spirit, we're not like losing our faculties. We're gaining them. And the Holy Spirit's able to use, a, use us in beautiful ways, whether it's the gift of a he- healing or a word of knowledge, or whether it's the gift of teaching or helps or giving. Those are something the Holy Spirit wants to use to unleash the church and grow us. Yeah. Any other questions? Oh, yeah. Are the fruits uh, kind of a litmus test of gifts? I don't think so, Eileen. And here's why. The Holy Spirit wants you and us. He wants you fully fruited. In other words, he's not going to say, you know, yeah, three of them, I guess. You know. It's like, no, no. The Holy Spirit, because that fruit, all those things, they represent a fully growing, mature person. But the Holy Spirit's not giving everyone the same gifts. So the difference there being the, the fruit analogy is, is about a person who's coming alive in Christ. And, and, and it, Jesus wants you experiencing all of that fruit in your life and in the life of his community. But the gifts, oh, no, no, you know, she's got that gift and he's got that gift. And don't even go near that guy thinking he's going to help you with that because he doesn't have that gift, whatever. Um, and so it's, it's kind of, it could be that passions can, can be part of what God helps you understand a gift for, but um, the fruit itself, I think, represents that, that growth and maturity in Christ, not necessarily the gifts. Um, I think all that fruit is to be operating with any gift that we use, and, and that's the purpose of that. Whatever gift we have, it's for that, all that fruit. Does that make sense? Okay, let's wrap up, because we're having communion today, too. Uh, just very practically speaking, First uh, Corinthians fourteen one says, "Let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives." It's not an either or; they go together. And so, practically speaking, as we conclude today, let me give you three things as you respond. The first one is, we are to eagerly desire. These abilities the Spirit gives so that we can help each other grow fruit. And it could be that that's where you need to begin. To just admit, it's okay, just to admit, I have never desired 
a spiritual gift. Never wanted it. I knew some weird people growing up. They claimed to have gifts. I didn't want anything to do with that. I'll just go with fruit. Who cares about gifts? But here's the challenge for you. We're told in Scripture to desire these things. Eagerly desire them, in fact. And when we understand what they're for, when we come to a greater understanding of who the Spirit is, I think there's an act of submission even coming to God and saying, give me what you want to give me. Or maybe I really want you to give me the gift of teaching or the gift of giving, gift of tongues, whatever, that you come and you just desire them. Ask, seek, desire. Part of that desiring is to say, I'm going to serve and I'm going to be watchful and I'm going to ask a friend or two to help me identify where do you see the Holy Spirit using me to help others grow? But it might start with just desiring. Asking yourself some questions. Do I want this? Why don't I want this? What do I want? Talk that over with the Holy Spirit. We are to eagerly desire these special abilities. And then we are to develop them. We desire and then we develop. That we take intentionally our, our development of gifts. We learn. We actually decide as we figure out how the Spirit has gifted us, we say, I'm going to learn more about this. If I think the Holy Spirit has given me a gift of, of teaching, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get coaching and teaching. I'm going to take a course, or I'm going to read some books, or I'm going to work alongside another teacher, and I'm going to learn how to teach. If, if I feel like the Holy Spirit has given me a gift of faith, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to learn what does that mean? How do I develop that? Um, how do I learn more about it? Who can I go to that has that gift as well and learn from them? But to take seriously the Spirit's invitation and we eagerly desire them and we learn how to use them. We get, um, actually become like better craftsmen in that sense, more adept with the tools that God has given us. So we desire spiritual gifts, we develop them. Again, we desire them for the sake of fruit, and we develop them for the sake of helping others grow. And then the final practical piece would be taking as our cue that love be our highest goal, that we really devote ourselves to the growth and development of others. At the end of the day, it's not about the gift the gifts are means to what God has said is the most important, the highest goal, love, people looking like Jesus. So my challenge to each one of you to take responsibility for this for yourselves is start with desire, then develop. That takes time. All the while devoting yourself to the highest goal, which is love. Fruit being the goal as well as the mode of operation of the gifts the Holy Spirit has given us. Thanks for listening in today. We hope you feel encouraged and challenged. If you know someone who would benefit from what you have heard today, please share this podcast. For more information, or if you have questions, you can connect with us through our website, ericksoncovenant.ca. 
You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Erickson Covenant Church.